0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Star Guys, a podcast about Stargirl on the CW. I'm a Star Guy signing on for this year episode. My name is Alexander Zalvin. I too am a Star Guy lost in the Shadowlands. I'm Justin. And we are going to be talking about Stargirl Season 2, Episode 11, Summer School, Chapter 11. Another fun romp through Summer School for Stargirl
1: here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, though, this was just like my Summer School experience. Mm -hmm. I fell through a shattered dimension of all of my failures as a 14-year-old teen.
0: Here's the thing (laughs) to build on your point is, technically speaking, Summer School's a real bummer. It's not yeah. a fud romp, so we're channeling that properly. There you go. We should have known that for the title. Oh, yeah, Summer School. A
1: bubber. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, as long as she gets a letter grade at the end of this, um, I'm happy. Absolutely.
0: That's all I want to see as well, the report card at the end of the season. Now, if you haven't watched the episode, go watch it on the CW. Check it out on the CW app or wherever your CWs are sold. You can check it out right now. But broad overview here, as Justin mentioned. Courtney is trapped in the Shadowlands. Ultimately, she finds Cindy there. Cindy Berman, a.k.a. Shiv, she also finds Dr. McKnighter alive in there. Meanwhile, in the real world, Pat and Barbara find the Shade and muster the forces to break them out of there. They all do manage to escape by the end of the episode, but seemingly at the cost of the Shade's life. Lots of other things to talk about here, but I'll tell you what, right off, shout out to the production staff, and in particular, this is directed by Shilene Chosky is the name of the director, Filming most of an episode in black and white is not easy. It's actually harder to light than I think people think it is. And this episode was very good looking.
1: Yeah, and it's always a commitment. When you go full black and white, it's like you do have to light it differently, and then it's harder to make it look good if you have to switch back to color or something. So it's a strong, I guess that's all to say, it's a strong choice. And the fact that they committed to that choice and then sort of pushed it further into this sort of Twilight Zone um, vibe, all the like tension and sort of horror elements and just unsettled nature of, of the episode, I thought was was really cool that uh, was great.
0: Yeah, I liked it a lot. I was a little nervous when I saw they were doing a black and white episode. We've certainly been anticipating that they were going to go into the Shadowlands at some point, pretty much since they had introduced it early on in the season. And plot-wise, and I don't say this as a knock, plot-wise, I don't think there were a lot of surprises here necessarily. Uh, I think you could see pretty much where it was going other than the shade dying at the end, though we'll probably get to that in a second, but I still think they hit the right emotional beats throughout.
1: Yeah. And I will say it wasn't maybe the most surprising move, but I think the moment where Courtney is like, I can't come through the portal. I have to go get Cindy. I thought that was well done. Like mm-hmm. it was so, you know, the the visual nature of like the shade using the projector screen and the light coming out of the projector to create this portal was really visually interesting. And then when she's like, I'm coming through and then she's like, I have to go get Cindy. I was like, oh, man, you do, I guess. But that's tough. Yeah. You got to go now.
0: Yeah, you gotta run. Stop thinking about it. Just go, go, go. The shade is dying over here. Like literally dying. Dying over here. What what did you think? This is jumping to the end of the episode, but the resolution, part of the resolution that leads up to this, is she's not allowed to see Cindy. She's taken through various scenarios instead, but she's not allowed to see Cindy by little Brucey, the little Brucey version of Eclipso, until she says, I hate you. And he smiles. And then lets her see Cindy, which I was surprised by because I thought that was the final bit of corruption that he needed to keep her trapped there. But I guess not.
1: Well, I think uh, I think the moment – because I was a little confused as well. It felt like when she said, I hate you, that meant he had a foothold in her and maybe had control of her. But I actually think it's a little bit different. It's um, She takes ownership of the darkness within her, which I think is something we've talked about as a theme for this season. But especially this episode, um, we get this great – earlier on in the episode, with this, this great scene between Cindy and Courtney where it's like, you think the world's black and white. But uh, And you're just like all good and you sort of paper over any negativity in you because you don't want it to be there. But the real lesson is that everyone is sort of gradations of good and bad. And Cindy, while a villain throughout the series so far – very harsh. <laughs> like, it's not like I'm like, that ah, she's going to turn good eventually. Like She's like Darth Vader-esque in her uh, badness in the the major run of the Star Wars movies. But then, just like Darth Vader, there's good in her, and you see her at the end. Whoa, be like,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. No spoilers. I haven't watched them yet. Uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. The Star Wars movies. Uh, I watched- that's cool. I
1: mean... I watched uh, Rise of Skywalker, but I haven't watched the rest of them yet. It's actually better to watch them in reverse order mm. um, in the way they came out. It actually will be a much more pleasurable experience <laughs> if you yeah. watch what them. What is that in... called?
0: Chainsaw order, I believe. You go backwards in time.
1: Really? Why is it called chainsaw? No, there's- because it messes
0: you up? There's machete
1: order. You've heard of machete order, right? Uh, no, I don't, I don't know that.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, So Machete Order, not to go on a wild tangent to talk about Star Wars movies, but in case anybody doesn't know, the Machete Order is you watch, I believe, you start with the first actual Star Wars movie, A New Hope. Then you watch Empire Strikes Back. When you get to the reveal in Empire Strikes Back, at the end, you watch that movie. You find out that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Mm -hmm. Then you go back and you watch not Phantom Menace, but you watch Attack of the Clones, and then you watch, uh, oh, my God, what is it? Uh, Revenge, Revenge of the Sith? Yeah. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith, because then you get to see, okay, this is how Darth Vader became the way he was Darth Vader. And you don't really need to watch Phantom Minutes because it doesn't actually affect too many things. Instead, you can jump well, straight into what the about Christian movies. And then you go back and watch... Return of the Jedi to kind of finish up the whole thing, because then you understand Darth Vader's redemption arc a little better.
1: That's cool, though I would hate to cut from the end of Revenge of the Sith with Darth Vader going, no, in his new armor, into Empire Strikes Back, where he is a badass uh, villain. Yes. Alternately, you can skip
0: the prequel movies and never watch them. That... That's the correct That's right.
1: order, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> give that a shot. Yeah. Um, anyway, strong tangent. Um, I do think that uh, that what the Eclipso, the little Brucey moment there was, it wasn't actually, I this is a total uh, theory, but it wasn't actually Eclipso because Eclipso would have tried to kill her or trap her there. It was this sort of shade of eclipso that is there to sort of torture people mm-hmm. and so it felt like it was torturing her by saying um that she hates eclipso but in fact it was letting her embrace the reality and sort of see through the smoke of it all because once you have ownership of your your feelings and your emotions you're not as fooled by by these these illusions I think.
0: I'll throw you out another theory. It might be the opposite thing. It might be that now that he has a foothold in Courtney, he is allowing her to go back to the real world where he has more power, where ultimately the Shadowlands is this realm that whether he was trapped in, he was born in. As we find out this episode, this is kind of where he came from. Like most villains, I assume he's like, "Eh, I got tired of wandering around in a shadowless void. Instead, I'd like to take over the earth and suck the sweet essence out of all humanity and whatever else he wants whatever else is going on. So now that he has Rick in the real world and he has this piece of Rick inside of the Shadowlands, he has Yolanda, piece of her in there. Now he has a foothold in Courtney too, based on her hate. And he can take that back into the real world now that she's there and ultimately thinks he can beat her. But I do think you're right that at the same time, Courtney understanding and owning all of her emotions, not just approaching everything as this light in the darkness, but understanding in order to have a light, you have to understand the darkness as well, is going to play into all of this.
1: Well, and it's really the sort of the way the Shadowlands work will be interesting to finally sort of reveal it fully, because if Eclipso is drawing on, um, he sort of feeds on this despair that everyone has, the despair must taste better if it's in the real world or something? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, why would he let them, why would he want Courtney to be back in the real world? It's well, like it's probably
0: can... like if you work at a pizza restaurant, right? Like you work at a pizza yeah. restaurant and you're like, I eat this pizza that we make at our pizza restaurant every single day. Also, I wish there was a better word for pizza restaurant, but I'm going
1: to keep calling it that. Yep. No, then, there's no other term that's no, not pizza restaurant. I, I wish there it was, was a shorter <sighs> version with pizza mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. Like a cafeteria for pizza.
0: But for pizza. A pizza cafeteria. Oh, that's good. That's better. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there, just pitching a couple of ideas. But you work at this pizza restaurant, this pizza cafeteria, if you will. Every day, you eat the same pizza. You're like, I'm so sick of this. You go to another place. You're like, oh, pizza's actually really good. Yeah. I like this. And that's yeah. what's going on with Eclipso.
1: Mm-hmm. I get my pizza covered with um, pineapple and despair are my two mm-hmm. favorite toppings. And I like- They're related, definitely. I believe. <laughs> yes, definitely. You can, you can what, order
0: either one and get the same thing.
1: Pineapple on pizza is despair. Um, yes. I'm
0: throwing it like under that? the bus, but I'm sorry. I will say I like pineapple on pizza. Really?
1: I, yeah. truly, I I don't meet, I don't know if I've ever met someone that likes that. I do. One of
0: my favorite pizzas that my wife and I order occasionally, get ready, is pineapple and onions.
1: Oh, my God. It's a good uh, thing we
0: found each other, is all I could say.
1: 100%. I bet at that pizza um, cafeteria, they're like, hey, uh, that car accident pizza (laughs) guy is on the phone. He wants another. Put on the masks, and let's make another pineapple onion Uh, pizza.
0: He wants to order the Shadowlands? Okay, here we go.
1: Yeah. Uh, Call up a clip, so we got another nightmare pizza. Uh, Anyway, I do think... So he, letting the them free be out there in the real world, it maybe helps his plan. But I'm curious how it's going to factor in when we bring in Jenny Jade's brother, who we set up in previous episodes, Todd, who has shadow powers. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been set. He was set up in last episode, but he's they can't find him. He's somewhere, um, and I wonder if he will be able to sort of take the despair that Eclipso has created and find a way to be a conduit for it that he can they can fight against Eclipso with it.
0: I like that idea. I feel like that's a little too much for the last two episodes of the season. I think Jeff Johns clearly layers in a lot of long play stuff. He's talked pretty openly about whatever is going on with Starman isn't even necessarily a this season thing. It's like a long play thing. The cosmic staff, where that comes from, what's going on with that, another long play thing. I think Todd and what's ever going on with that creepy hospital and that organization is probably something we're not going to get this season, but potentially a setup for season three or beyond.
1: Well, when we get the reveal last episode, you weren't on the the pod, but, like, we talked about Bones is revealed. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So I do think if that's the long- And that's what happens when your
0: skin falls off is Bones is revealed.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Skin (laughs) falls off. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I assume you guys talked about uh, Director Bones, right, from the DEO? Director Bones, yes, yes. Yeah, Director Bones, the guy with the acid skin.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, he just has no skin. No, no, he Uh, has acid skin. It's Isn't very confusing Phosphorus? because
0: he's not, I believe he's not actually a skeleton. He's just a guy with such acidic skin that you can't see it.
1: So acidic that you can't see it? Like, invisible. I don't know, man. I don't, uh, comics are weird. Comics are weird. And I'm glad we're going to get to see it on Stargirl. Um, cause here's the thing. Um, if we do see Todd, this season, we had the reveal in this episode, uh, Jenny's ring, um, zapping, uh, shades, business card, very cool to have a business card in 2021. Um,
0: just on that note, I'm glad that we got a payoff for the business card because we've talked about it a bunch of times on the podcast. Like why did he have that to her? Why does he have a business card? This is why this is 100% something that they set up so that they could pay it off later. And I appreciated that.
1: And that's why I leave business cards around as well. So people can smell where I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, when she revealed the map um, to Blue Valley, there were two shade signatures. Now, two possibilities. One of them is Todd, and we're going to, Todd is there, and we're going to see that become a part of this season's story. Or, um, I don't think the shade died. I don't think you think the shade died at the end of this episode. I feel like maybe the shade put a little portion of himself in another part of the city, and we will see him sipping absinthe uh, at the end of the last episode of this season, and he's out there doing whatever he wants.
0: Well, let me throw out a possibility to you here. Again, this is a pure speculation theory based on these two shade signatures. And it's, it was weird to me that we didn't get a typical, there's two signatures, let's split up and find them. Instead, they were like, let's go to the movie theater first. Oh, we found him. We're done. Yeah. So a little strange there, but I wonder if given all the talk about the shades nature and how he's complicated, he's neither good nor bad. What if in the movie theater they found the good shade and the other one is the bad shade? Mm. So he actually split into these two sides of his nature, potentially. That could be cool
1: as well. A lot of options out there. And I do think it's enough of a... It's not that big of a thing. I don't think they'll carry that reveal across to the next season. I feel like we'll find out what that second shade signature was in this season.
0: Absolutely. Potentially even next episode. I also do think this points to something that I don't know if we brought up this season, but I've been thinking about a lot while we've been watching it. They've been doing a great job. Of bringing back characters even if they died, which is a very typical comic book thing, but it's something we talked about after the first season how much of a bummer it was that we lost most of the ISA because these characters were so cool and so scary and so fun. But they found a really good, very organic way to, in this episode alone, we get the Zareks, the entire Zarek family back. Very creepy right there at the beginning in the diner. We got to see Dragon King. We got to see Cindy's mom for the first time. So that was new. But all of these characters down to Icicle a couple of episodes back, it's really fun to see them and these actors do such a good job. Again, it feels it doesn't feel forced, which is nice, so same thing as the shade dying. I feel confident that they will figure out a way to bring him back in the show in a surprising and fun way,
1: yeah, I agree completely and the the xeric family in this episode did such a good job of being like, this is pretty creepy right and like and the flashes between uh the the past in color and then the Zarek family um doing the magic trick I thought was really. Really cool, and a very like lower stakes torture for Courtney that really just, a uh, little, little torture appetizer for her first trip to the Shadowlands.
0: Something, if I remember correctly, we had talked about during the episode in season one where Joey died was it was supposed to be this really big flashpoint for Courtney in terms of this was her loss. This was the thing that powers her on to really become a hero. And I don't think we got it because the only interaction she had with him was Lying about a magic trick at hallway, and that was pretty much yeah. it. But bringing him back really helps emphasize that. It makes that bond a little bit stronger. And because he has been away for probably an entire season's worth of episodes at this point, if not more— it was nice seeing him again it did feel poignant to see him again and it clearly affected courtney in a big way so those sort of repeated emotional beats make the initial emotional beats actually stronger which is nice
1: and we sort of play on her guilt we see the fiddler and uh, and all and those folks there in the
0: school what the- did i wrote down what isaac said i miss my tuba
1: I miss my tuba. I wrote down the same thing because I was like, that's a sad... If you're being tortured and your main source of torture is I miss my tuba, mm-hmm. you lived a pretty good life, yeah, Isaac. Things are going okay for him. <laughs> uh, but to move from that sort of like guilt uh, torture into the, the more current stuff where we get to see Yolanda and Rick just living their lives and feeling dis- actual despair because of the situations that they've been put in because of their relationship with Courtney, I thought was really effective and will okay, will only help her bring the team together soon.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately that's what we're going to see in the last two episodes, right? Like, next episode most likely is a getting the team back together type thing, and then the final episode, like we speculated, is going to be the Avengers endgame, everybody, heroes and villains all fighting against Eclipso, which is very exciting. And it's exciting to see my feeling is this is the getting out of the doldrums that we've been in for a significant chunk of episodes here. So getting that propulsive nature potentially going into the last episodes is very cool. And But I um, don't
1: mind the doldrums. I don't think there's mm-hmm. still been a lot of stuff happening and it's, while it's been just a series of uh, sad things, a real trip to bummer school, I do think it's been, uh, it, that's the point of the season I think. Um, so I, I'm here for
0: it. Oh, absolutely. And they were pretty upfront about the fact that they were calling each of the titles chapters, not just because they were going to run out of individual titles eventually, because first season was all named after the characters that they were introducing or focusing on each episode, but also really thinking about it as a 13-part story. I do think, very smartly... This show aimed for the binge this season, like it still has episodic stories, which is great. And I appreciate that. But I think they know that broadcast is not necessarily where it's at with the CW and people are going to pick up on it later, in this case on HBO Max, and probably watch it over the course of 13 hours. That sort of chunk in the middle is very rough to watch over the course of five whole weeks, like, I think it's five whole weeks that we've been yeah. in this at this point. But if you're watching it over five hours over the course of a day or over the course of a weekend or something like that, you're going to be like, oh, what a bummer. And then you're going to get back to it and you're going to hit those final episodes and it'll feel propulsive.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right. Now, what do you think about the fact that we have Beth mm-hmm. um, and then we also now have um, Dr. Midnight in Blue Valley. So we've doubled up on goggles. Yes. We've got a lot of so many goggles. Yeah. Um that is, we because we've talked a little bit about like, huh? Beth's role when they fight people is to see some stuff, but mm-hmm. she's not really fighting. And now we have two people whose role is <laughs> that. Uh, well, doesn't affect
0: up. anything. Beth has a line of this episode where she says, "My goggles are filled with tears, but I'm afraid to take them off." That's going to short
1: them out, right? Uh, you're saying her goggles are done for because her goggles the, are done. I, Doctor Midnight is smart. He knows he's going to be crying at some point as a hero. He's going to make mm-hmm. them tear-proof.
0: I have a question for you: If Doctor Midnight got sucked into the Shadowlands by the Shade, whose goggles does Beth have?
1: He's got some backup goggles. Oh, okay. like a lot of,
0: like a lot of people. He's got like uh, a spectac- lot of people. Yeah, spectacles for days.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the same way. I I think I've said on this show, I uh, wore a pair of goggles when I was like in high school as like Mm a cool fashion. uh, Like you were ready to fly really fast at any point? You never know what was going to happen. You know, I was young. I'll tell you what, similarly
0: to the pizza story that I was telling, I have a pair of onion goggles that I love that stop you from crying when you're cutting onions. And it always looks very cool whenever I'm cutting onions.
1: Nothing Nothing makes more sense than having to put on goggles to eat a pizza you've ordered as something you enjoy.
0: No, 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 no. When I'm cutting the onions to make something, not when I'm ordering the pizza, though also my, when I'm ordering the pizza.
1: My onion goggles are full of tears, but I'm afraid to take them off.
0: <laughs> I do think we're going to get Dr. Midnight, again, speculation, Dr. Midnight doing something rare. he's been gone for decades at this point trying to wander off in the world and figure out what his place is. He has already called Beth Dr. Midnight. He said, you're the new Dr. Midnight. She had that heroic owning it moment. So she is where it's at going forward. I don't think he's going to try to take it from her. If anything, I think he'll be like, well, I've been wandering shadows for a while. I'd love to go to a pizza restaurant or Mm -hmm. something like that.
1: Yeah. And he's going to have the big revelation that you can get other things on your pizza besides Pineapple and onions—the only pizza they have available in (laughs) In the the shadowlands. Shadowlands, Yeah, Uh, Um, I don't know if I've been wandering around uh, a swirling darkness for 20 years or however long he was there. My first move would be like, "All right, let's wander some more.
0: (laughs) Let's settle down." I mean, maybe he'll take up residence in Blue Valley and become a doctor again, like a legit doctor.
1: Maybe it's time he reconnected with his owl. That's oh yeah, oh just sitting back in the JSA
0: waiting for him. That, I, I think you're right. I think we are going to get a moment reconnecting with the owl, which is going to make Pete, our co-host who isn't here this week, lose his mind. He's been asking yeah. about that owl constantly.
1: 100%. And the owl t- talk has dwindled a little bit, but I'm excited mm-hmm. to see that owl come up and be like, where have you been? And yeah. spit hey, a mouse. I've been waiting. Bunch of mouse bones at his feet. Um, mm. That reminds me
0: of a random thing. I was uh, walking my son to school today, And as I was walking down the sidewalk, I saw something on the sidewalk and I was like, huh, what's that? And it was a severed mouse head
1: was there. Uh, Very upset. That means it's almost Halloween. Uh, Yeah. Boo.
0: spooky doo. I am very interested to see what happens with Dr. Midnight. I was a little worried they were going to leave him in the Shadowlands. There was going to be some sort of, no, this is where I belong (laughs) moment, which is like nonsense. (laughs) Instead, he came out, which I was very happy about. I was happy to see him reconnect with Pat. Barb got Courtney, and uh, Pat got Dr. Midnight, and Shiv got Nobody, which was very sad at the end there.
1: Well, she was like, let's go kill Eclipse. So I was like, (laughs) kill? Okay. Everybody's going to be like, cut
0: it on the next episode. Everybody's going to be like, uh, no.
1: It was funny when they were walking toward the portal from the Shadowlands. Courtney's running. Dr. Midnight is like. Striding, like he's mm. not—he's not running. He's just stride walking uh, with purpose. And Cindy steps up and like strikes a pose and whips her hair around. And I'm like, keep walking. That portal—you <laughs> yeah. don't need to hit just your mark. Yeah.
0: I did like that effect. I thought that was a really nice, probably mostly practical effect that they did with walking through the light, coming through the screen. um I thought that was very nicely done in its simplicity, which it could have yeah. been more complicated. It could have looked a lot cheesier, um, but they, they did it very well.
1: Yeah. I think it was like a, yeah, an in-camera effect, just like focus shift or something that they did there, which I agree with you was cool.
0: Yeah. Any other notes you want to mention from this episode? There were a lot of big emotional things that happened throughout, which was really nice. Uh, I did want to call out even the first scene, just the quiet of the first scene with everybody yeah. coming back to the house and, Silently revealing that Courtney is gone and everybody's sobbing. Uh, also, shout out to Amy Smart in this episode who had some really big emotional stuff to do. There was a uh, what was the line she says to the shade when when basically being like, No, you have to help them? She says,
1: uh, Or kill oh, me right now. Yeah,
0: then kill me because I don't want to have to live without my daughter. Yeah. That's a line, Chance. man.
1: Well, it was nice, especially seeing the the Amy Smart in the Shadowlands that um, was there to make Courtney feel like she was a burden on her family. Like, young Amy Smart, to see that person um, as the sort of shadow, and then the flip of her being like, I will die right now. Bring me my daughter was a nice, like, two-part thing.
0: Yeah. Any other moments you wanted to call out, though?
1: Um, Well, I want to say we've talked a lot about um, uh, young little Brucie, uh, being like just laughing and being a mystery. One of us specifically on this podcast has been a little harsh Yeah, on Who
0: him. knows? Un- unable to say which one of us. Uh,
1: unable to say. We have to go back and listen uh, again, which we do a lot. Um, I think that in this episode, when he got some lines, I thought he was actually really good and had a nice creepy tone while still just actually getting information out there.
0: I agree. I liked that kid as well this episode and, of course, consistently have loved everything that he's been doing.
1: Yeah, no way to check for evidence. No no
0: shade meant whatsoever. Uh, also, the kid's name is Milo Stein, which is Great name. That's a great actor name. I like that a lot. Yep. He sounds like a comic book character come to life. Milo Yeah, he's going to be like a tough guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, really good job here. Did like his creepy smile at the end when Courtney says, I hate you. Uh, that was very nice. Also, really good job from Breck Bassenger in this episode, who we've talked a lot about. She's actually been on the sidelines and catching up with stuff a lot this season. So to finally get the standout emotional episode and really crush it was great.
1: Well, and I think it speaks to the, this theme that we've been talking about a lot of like owning your the bad parts of you and not just being good, uh, saying I'm good, I'm the best. I think at the beginning of the season, she was like, I'm good, we're good, everything's good. And that was such a limiter. It kept her stuck in the same place. And the, the, the series showed that. Like she didn't have a lot to say or do because she was like, uh, I don't know. I'm There's nothing I can do because I'm just good over here. Um, And now I think we're going to get to see her really spring into action for these last two episodes.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Two other quick things that I'll mention. We talked about this earlier, but I really liked the map of Blue Valley that Jenny created. Yes. That was a nice use of the Green Lantern powers. It reminded me a little bit of the thing last season where Rick was wandering through that – hologram of Grundy killing his parents that Dr. Mindy. Oh, yes. Not the same emotional heft, but just in terms of effects work. I thought it was really good. And then also just nice to see the Dragon King back, Nelson Lee. We interviewed him last season for the podcast. Yeah. Very fun interview, but very creepy and terrifying here. And in particular, the shot of him coming into the high school with the sparks flying was very cool. Cool.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. Like you said before, these older villains, they did such a good job of building them up. And this season, we don't really have that again. We just really have Eclipso. Um, and we had uh, Sportsmaster and Tigris earlier on, which were which were fun, and but sort of that different thing. They weren't super scary. It was about making them a little bit more human. Um, so it really is nice to see these old villains back. All right.
0: Before we wrap up here, who was the star of this week's episode, Justin?
1: Uh, I mean the temptation is to give it to uh, our girl Courtney, I think, but I'm going to give it to um, Cindy Berman. I thought she did a good job of taking this like very evil villain, that character in Shiv that was like almost cartoonishly like, I'm going to kill you. And in the scenes that she had with Courtney, which were just straight up two person, you know, uh, one room scenes and really be like, look, I'm going to tell you some real truths about the world and, uh, At the same time, maintaining, like, I've killed you so many times in this shadow universe. But in that time, I've learned these lessons about what it means to be a person. I thought toggling between those two emotions is pretty wild, and she did a great job. I agree. In particular, the scene
0: where she's saying, oh, come on, just throw my father at me. I'll kill him again. I'm not afraid of that. And then she hears her mom and immediately turns on a dime to terrified was just really good acting. Very yeah. good job. And then
1: later, she's she is being tortured by her father. She is afraid of him. Like These different layers, I thought, were really mm-hmm. cool.
0: But I'll give it up for Amy Smart, actually, in this episode. I really did like the stuff that Barbara did a lot. She was powerful. She was strong. This has been a long time coming, and we've... Seen a new Barbara in this season, and that really came to the fore here, both uh, in the scenes in the real world and also being ice cold in that scene back in the past. It hurt to see Courtney treated like that, and a lot of that comes from Amy Smart's acting job. So good stuff.
1: That's why Pete couldn't be here. He was so wounded by Amy Smart being mean. He's been sobbing. He's been taking a vow of silence. Yeah, Yeah, you can actually, he's actually on the podcast. He's just taken a vow of silence, and you can just hear the (laughs) light sobbing in the background. It sounds like a barking dog, but it's actually Pete sobbing.
0: That's how he cries. If you like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Stargirl, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Star Guys Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, Star Guys out. Oh, pizzeria. Ah.